I'm Aaron Hinkin. This is the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. I'm Jess Myers, and my question is, why does Baltimore rep our rat population so much to the point that we have a bumper sticker for them? Yes, I have seen this bumper sticker on many, many cars driving around. Do you have one of these Baltimore rat bumper stickers? I absolutely do not. How long have you lived in Baltimore? So I have lived here for 11 years, but my family has been here for generations. So I'm going to assume that you've had some encounters with rats around the city. In, in this very house, I've also had encounters. It's been very traumatic. Why do you think there's this fascination with a rat bumper sticker as the mascot of the city? We're a weird city, and I think it fits us. But I'm also very curious um, if it's all of Baltimore or just a certain kind of Baltimore. Like uh, the hipster, perhaps, maybe is maybe more repping this compared to maybe some other types of Baltimoreans. It's what I'm curious about. This is a fascinating question. I'm going to see what I can figure out for you. Great. I love it. Can't wait. Okay, Jess, we're going to get right to the source of this Baltimore rat bumper sticker mystery. You are about to hear from the guy who created the sticker about 14 years ago. His name is Matt Faust. M-A-T-T-F-O-U-S-E. It's kind of an unfortunate name when you are growing up being a awkward-looking, chubby, prepubescent kid. I remember in about sixth grade at the lunch table, one of my buddies just started busting out laughing. And he said, fat mouse, fat mouse. If you switch M-A-T-T-F-O-U-S-E, if you switch the M and the F, it's fat mouse. (laughs) So to my high school friends and everybody I went to school with at that time, I'm still known as fat mouse. (laughs) Your therapist, I imagine, would have a field day with this, uh, (laughs) analyzing that experience and uh, what you've done here with these uh, rat bumper stickers. Absolutely. And it it is kismet, maybe, that uh, for a third of my lifetime, my income was coming from selling stickers with fat mouses on them, rats. (laughs) Matt, your company, it's called Rat Czar. Uh, that's, uh, as you say, who we have to thank for, uh, well, a variety of rat-themed pop art. Um, your website has got a couple of different permutations of the rats on uh, various apparel, sweatshirts, and hats and whatnot. There's the, uh, the I Heart Baltimore logo with the eye and the heart inside a rat. You've got the Ratzilla image of a giant rat stomping the Baltimore skyline. And then, of course, here's this famous... Euro-style travel bumper sticker design with B-A-L-T in bold letters inside the silhouette of a rat. Let me ask you, like, how did this happen? How did the rat become your artistic muse? I was born and raised in a pretty rural upbringing where hunting was a part of life. So fast forward, when I was 18, I moved to Baltimore. I brought a little bit of the country to the city and... You know, in the city, I lived in Hamden at the time, and my buddies and I would sit out back, we'd drink some bow, we'd shoot rats with a pellet rifle. I gotta pause here and say that Matt's hobby at the time was definitely illegal. It is unlawful to discharge a firearm in Baltimore unless you're at a gun range, even if it's a pellet rifle. But Matt's neighbors in Hamden did not turn him in. In fact, he says quite the opposite. They grew to, you know, like my little public service that I was doing for the neighborhood. Uh, A lot of them actually bought their own pellet rifles. 
this became a community event. This absolutely became a community event. Yes. Um, the one neighbor who uh, was an older woman went and bought a pink pellet rifle and rhinestoned her name into it. Um, so we would all sit out back, you know, have a bonfire. We would shoot rats. And I created what is now on bumpers of hundreds of thousands of cars, the rat sticker. And that was created as our, like, rat hunting club. Matt had a friend who did screen printing, so he gave him the image, and he asked if he could print 10 t-shirts for his fellow rat hunting neighbors. Well, those neighbors, they'd wear their shirts out and about around town, and they were turning heads. They said they would have been stopped by lots and lots of people saying, where on earth did you get this shirt? This is hilarious. That was the light bulb moment for Matt when his entrepreneurial spirit kicked in and the rat-themed apparel and sticker company Rat Czar was born. Everybody jokingly called me the Rat Czar since I, you know, was this dude shooting rats. So that that's how it started. And from there, the Baltimore Rat logo went viral, especially the bumper stickers. Matt says there are a lot of them out there on cars. How many is a lot? Easily over a million. Yeah, absolutely. I've been ordering from the same place ever since I started ordering stickers. So you can see your your history of orders. And it is I I got to the point where I ordered I would order like a hundred and then I would order five hundred and then I'd order a thousand. And I remember the first time I made the leap to order five thousand. I'm like, I might have these for a while. But as more and more rat stickers were on bumpers, more and more rat stickers were being sold. So it it spread like wildfire almost. What do you think it is, Matt, about this sort of ironic, cartoonish rat image that that speaks to people here in Baltimore and beyond? Why, why, Why its popularity? I think it is absolutely perfect for Baltimore. You know, it gets a bad reputation from every direction. So we're, like, citizens here, we embrace things that other cities want it. Like, of course it's a gritty city. The rat, I think, was almost a uniting aspect of, like, it was a perfect subject matter that everybody could have that feeling about that, hey, we're a gritty city. And we're proud of it. Would it surprise you, Matt, to hear that the uh, head of the city's rat control department is not a fan of your bumper stickers? I am not surprised at all. Yes, I have definitely uh, met her. And um, yes, I understand that. Yep. To each his own. Toya Sykes-Coates is the chief of administration for Baltimore City's Bureau of Solid Waste and previously manager of the agency which oversees the city's rat rub-out program. It's neither here nor there for me because I know that we, as in city officials, we're doing everything we can to assist with the, the rodent population and trying to keep it down as much as we can. After the break, we'll hear how that battle is waged in the alleys of Baltimore, and we'll take a minute to think about the intersection of rats, public policy, and social justice. You're listening to the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. More in a moment. 
When you muster your troops to go into battle, it's useful to know certain tactical information, like how many enemies are out there. Chief Sykes Coates does not have that luxury. I have absolutely no idea how many uh, rats we have in Baltimore City. <laughs> they definitely outnumber Baltimore's rat rubout team, which has a total of 17 employees. 13 of those employees are pest control workers. They are certified applicators who do investigations and apply um, pest control treatments um, when needed. Um, so on a daily basis, they would receive um, itinerary of properties that they need to either treat that they've already previously investigated for rat activity. They go out to the properties, they do the investigation, they engage with the property owner. If burrows are found while they're there, they apply the treatment. They leave literature with our residents um, if they're not at home and if they previously requested assistance through 311. Um, we leave a door hanger letting them know that their property has been treated. And when you refer to the treatment, you're talking about like rat poison or pellets or something? We use ditrac powder, which is um, shot into the underground burrows where the rats live. Uh, and they absorb it. It's absorbed through their skin. They ingest it. They eat it. Um, and that's basically how we we treat the the rat. For the city's rat rubout team, there's never going to be a victory day parade because they'll never be a city without rats. They've been with us humans long before the advent of major metropolitan areas, ever since we figured out how to store grain thousands of years ago. The best we can hope to do is keep the rats at bay. We are not here to make a promise that we can eliminate the rats, but we are here to commit to providing a service which helps uh, treat the rodent population and try to keep it down as much as possible. Uh, it would be impossible for us to say that we could actually eliminate the entire rodent you know, community here in Baltimore. It would take a lot more effort than what we can actually offer uh, to do so. Uh, they infiltrate pretty much every corner of our city. So uh, some communities have a very low, you know, rodent activity population, and some have a very high rat population. When our policies invest in some communities and disinvest in other communities, we create conditions that allow rats to live near some neighborhoods. So it's usually been people of color and specifically um, in the U.S., especially Black and Latinx people. This is Dawn Beeler. She's Associate Professor of Geography and Environmental Studies at UMBC. In 2013, I published the book Pests in the City, which looks over the entire 20th century at how humans and urban pests or that the creatures that we call pests interact. So I look at in that book, flies, bed bugs, cockroaches, and rats. Dr. Beeler says in Baltimore, like in other cities, racist housing policies have often left black and brown residents living in homes that are older, less structurally sound, and more susceptible to rodent infestations. There's not been enough money to invest in keeping the walls in one piece, 
water might be dripping and starting to wear holes. And if there's one rat who starts gnawing on something and creates a little hole, um, more might come and work on that hole a little more and you start to have these holes. And when you've got this going on at the scale of not just one house, but a whole block, it allows the population of rats to have quite a bit of shelter. Add to that Dr. Beeler says a subpar sanitation service where a neighborhood's trash collection might be infrequent or unreliable, and now the rats have a food source. If you have the misfortune of living in a home that rats have found their way into, Dr. Beeler says their presence might expose you to microbial infections. Rats were identified as the cause of a typhus outbreak in Baltimore in the 1930s, and more recently, a flu-like condition called leptospirosis. And of course, there's the fact that rats will bite you. And a lot of rat bites have been to children. And um, imagine a child asleep. Maybe they went to bed um, drinking a bottle of milk or or breastfeeding. And uh, as they're sleeping, a little bit of milk dribbles out of their mouth. And this is so horrifying. Um, A rat comes in the night and laps up a little milk that's dribbled out of their mouth. The baby... Um, or young child wakes up and thrashes a little bit when they feel this and the rat feels threatened and fights back. And that has happened many, many times. I think it's safe to say that rats are horrifying creatures in most of our minds. Dr. Beeler says they carry a rightful cultural connotation of neglect. They're living symptoms of social and economic conditions gone wrong. And as such, they're a threat to mental health. Having rats, lots of rats in your neighborhood reminds you on a constant basis that government and investors and the culture at large are neglecting your neighborhood. And um, if you're seeing rats, you feel that they're dirty, you um, feel that they're dangerous, and you feel that it's a sign that society doesn't value you. I mean, if we hear about like the idea of microaggressions, Um, Rats are like a living microaggression, reminding people that society has valued them less because these rats are a symptom of that devaluation. Professor Beeler, have you seen the Baltimore rat bumper stickers? I'd be curious to hear your uh, scholarly take on the the (laughs) psychology behind that local pop culture phenomenon. Yeah. um, You know, I have to say that I, I... I received some of those and I appreciate, really appreciated the gift. Um, and, um, and then, you know, Donald Trump had to go and say that thing about Baltimore and it really spoiled it for me. Um, you're referring to, uh, the former president saying Baltimore was a rat infested cesspool or some such. That's right. Um, and I felt like there was some sense of like affectionate humor in those, bumper stickers and magnets and everything before. And when, when Trump said that, I, I just couldn't anymore. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I even hesitate sometimes to talk about uh, Baltimore's rats because I, um, I want to make sure that we recognize the really hard work that a lot of people are putting in to try to address that situation and the way that um, the larger system just hasn't given them enough help. <laughs> and, um, 
And I fear that too many people, when they hear rats in Baltimore, they're thinking the way that Trump did. It's also worth noting, I think, that at the time when he made that statement, Baltimore was ranked ninth in the country by Orkin right. for its uh, rat problem, and Washington, D.C. was ranked fourth. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, really good point. Everything is relative. Right. <laughs> I should say, by the way, the creator of the Baltimore rat bumper sticker, Matt Faust, he's a big fan of Dr. Beeler's book, Pests in the City. And this podcast isn't going to be the first time he's heard his rat sticker get criticized. He's gotten his share of backlash from people who think he's harming the city's self-esteem. I have definitely had many, many hate emails when doing local festivals. I always have somebody come up and I can just tell when they're walking towards, you know, the table that I have set up that they've been thinking about this for a long time and they can finally have somebody to yell at about it. But to my critics, I say, if you don't like it, don't buy it. <laughs> and um, enough people do that it's it's a uniting subject for the city. So for people that don't understand it, I think a perfect way to describe this, it being in Baltimore and being the iconic image for it, that rats are tough. They always survive. Baltimore citizens, no matter what happens, will always survive. They always go to higher ground. They always come out in the end. And I think maybe I'm not, you know, a social person in the science of how things work, that maybe deep down this is why the rat sticker has worked. I'm going to give the floor to Chief Toya Sykes-Coates one more time here, because however inspiring the rat might be as a symbol, it is no joke dealing with a rat infestation up close and personal in and around your own home. She and the Baltimore Rat Rubout team have this message for any resident who's got a problem. We're always happy to assist if anyone um, within ears reach of, of this broadcast is... Um, you know, interested in um, trying to find out how they can obtain treatment or services or just to speak to someone about the program. They can always call 311, give their address um, and request information and someone from the operation will return their call. We're going to make a return call now, a house call to our listener, Jess Meyer, who asked this week's question. Jess, I'm guessing you probably learned more than you bargained for about rats this episode. What are you left thinking here at the end of this story? Well, I think first and foremost, it did make my heart a little softer for the bumper sticker, and it felt very Baltimore to me. Um, but I do agree that um, with Dr. Uh, Don Beeler around, um, I think, the injustices, and I do have even more questions around um, the million rat bumper stickers if they live more in the white L or the black butterfly. Um, so that's something that I'm still digging into and, and curious about. But I know for me personally, having had rats in my home, um, when I see the rat bumper sticker, that's immediately what I think about. But perhaps maybe I can take a little pause and do the reframing um, and really thinking about the resiliency and strength of rats and also Baltimore and that uh, the both can exist in the same bumper sticker. Jess, I want to thank you for uh, an excellent question. I, I learned a lot more than I wanted to know uh, this episode. Uh, thank you. 
Thank you. I can't wait for everybody else to hear this, uh, especially my mom, who uh, has a fear of rats, but I hope this will make her feel a little bit better. All right, that is just about going to wrap it up for this episode of the Maryland Curiosity Bureau, an original production of WYPR in Baltimore. You can hear the whole back catalog of episodes at wypr.org slash curiosity. That's also where you can see what kinds of questions other listeners are asking, and you can be in touch with a question of your own. What's got you curious about the region? Drop a note, put me to work on your story at wypr.org slash curiosity. Thanks, as always, for your great questions, and uh, thanks for listening to the show. I'm Aaron Hankin. Let's do it again next week. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is made possible with grant support from the Peel Center for Baltimore History and Architecture, online at thepeelcenter.org. 